0: On this episode of DL and Extend, we discuss why we use KDE Plasma as our desktop of choice. This episode of DL and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 41 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community from places like the DLN discourse forums, Telegram groups, Discord servers, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network and give our takes. And with me is my fantastic co-host, Wendy. We are down one, though. There is no Nate, so that we will not be hearing about how great OpenSUSE is, unfortunately.
1: Next week, though.
0: Next week, most definitely. So, Wendy, what have you been up to?
1: This week has been full of cleaning kids' rooms, scrubbing them down, and waiting on a dishwasher. It is now available for pickup. So as soon as we are done recording this show, I am off to town to pick it up. Because with six people in this house, homeschooling, and working from home, I just don't have time to do dishes.
0: I was going to say... I can't imagine six people in time to do dishes. I barely have time to do my own dishes.
1: (laughs) And where we cook everything basically from scratch, that's a lot of dishes. We go through a lot of dishes in this house. And one of the things I tell myself is thanks to technology, the dishwasher uses so much less water than me washing them by hand. So I'm doing it for the environment.
0: That just sounds like an excuse to get a dishwasher. (laughs)
1: Yes, it is. But I'm using it. Dang it. Are you
0: going to get one that's like all app oriented and everything? Or is this just a third of the dishwasher and call it good?
1: (laughs) No, my last one that died in two years was Wi-Fi connected. And I really didn't use any of the app features on this one. So this one doesn't have any app features to it. No Wi-Fi connectivity when looking at them. It was all about certain features that they had and being stainless steel on the inside is one of them. And how much can I cram into that sucker and still have everything get clean? Those were top priorities.
0: So cubic feet space was the biggest concern.
1: Not necessarily that. How well does it use the rack space that's in there? Because all of them basically have to fit within the same size cutout. Mm -hmm. How well do they utilize the rack space in order to fit more dishes on them.
0: Gotcha. I guess you'll be busy. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming you're installing the dishwasher, or are you having people do it?
1: Uh, my husband and I will do it tonight.
0: Always the DIY.
1: <laughs> so what have you been up to this week?
0: Most people know that I am a tech enthusiast, you know. I, as you so eloquently put it most episodes— I use weird and strange hardware, which I totally can't deny.
1: But I'm thankful for it because you give me some wonderful recommendations based off your use of strange hardware.
0: Touche, but on the same note, it's weird and esoteric. <laughs> Recently, I've been looking to, I don't want to say minimize, uh, limit how much connectivity I have. I spend a lot, a lot of time on computers, computing, doesn't matter if it's a tablet, a phone, you know, desktop, laptop, whatever. Just too much time in front of screens. There was a phone that came in a couple of years ago from a brand that actually was recently discussed on DL, uh, where we talked about webOS, which was originally developed by Palm. Now, Palm is not around anymore, but the name is. I don't remember exactly who made the phone. I'm just going to say it's Palm. There is this little 3.3-inch phone Called the palm phone and it is literally a palm phone it fits in your palm your palm will basically cover it i kid you not
1: the whole phone is 3.3 inches yes
0: the whole phone is 3.3 inches and i have a 1 plus for those that don't know going from that to a 3.3 inch screen takes some getting used to now in fairness i think the first droid was like 3.5 screen or something if i remember correctly so it wasn't a huge screen the thing that i like about this Is it's only got an 800 milliamp hour battery. So it makes me be conservative about what I'm actually going to use my phone for. That can be a pro and con. I will state that. But I spend too much time worrying about being connected, communicating, and all the other stuff. You guys notice I don't respond a whole lot anymore, um, especially in the last couple of days. It's mostly because I've been trying to live life, not be attached to the screen i can still be contacted but not live my life in front of a screen
1: i'm looking at pictures of this phone yeah and especially the way that they've done the pictures for the most part you can't tell how small it is until you scroll over to this one and it literally shows this teeny tiny baby phone sitting in someone's palm holy crap
0: Yep, and ironically, th- you'd think the keyboard would be a hundred percent terrible. Right. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not uh, gonna be able to type as fast as I can and say on like a you know my OnePlus 7T. One finger, you know, thumb typing is perfectly usable. It's not fast, but it's usable. It's not like T9 texting bad, but like it, it's good enough. And that's really what I needed. Though got tired of spending a lot of time on devices. You want to have technology and all that stuff, but you don't want to have it dominate your life too much. I was kind of going down that road where it just dominated my life too much. I'm trying to kind of subtract from that a little bit. Now, this is an older phone. It's only 800 milliamp hour battery. It's only three gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of storage. There's no SD card. You know, there's the limitations to it. It allows me to not worry about things. Oh, hey, look, I have a car charger anyway, USB-C, so it's fine, I can just throw it on my charger and I can Bluetooth, you know, Spotify or whatever the heck I want in that regards. As long as you're understanding what you need, kind of minimalizing things, I think that's why I like the Pine phone it almost works for me, because it minimizes a lot of the nonsense, but it's just not quite there yet. So this gives me currently in the environment we live in, you know, it's it's Android and iOS. It's Android, but it gives me a minimalist enough where like, I'm selective on the applications I use. I'm just selective on everything. And it allows me to enjoy life more, which is really what I like.
1: Great use of technology. And I'm noticing that they have a kids bundle version of this. And if it's that simplified, it might be an awesome one, especially with these cases, the kids style cases that can come with them for just the phone for your kid to pack with them to events to be able to call you to say, hey, I'm done with baseball practice or whatever. And be able to go pick them up.
0: And the best thing though is you can get these. Now, this is the one I got. So take this with a grain of salt. You can find them cheaper and used on eBay. These were originally locked to Verizon for those in the States. They released an unlocked version. You can get the unlocked version, I believe, between 60 to 65 used on eBay. You can get a totally refurbed, renewed branded version from Amazon for $97. I went with the Amazon one because it it just less, more warranty related stuff than anything else. So for under a hundred dollars, you can get your kid a phone if you really want to go that route and you don't really feel like you're out a whole lot if, you know, you break it or whatever, but the build quality is really nice too. not going to lie.
1: Yours sounds like a heck of a lot more fun than mine.
0: Not as much as you would think because trying to actually figure out what you need, you don't realize all the crap you have until you don't have it. (laughs)
1: Uh, yes.
0: Yes. That's been my thing where it's like, oh, I'll use Google. Oh wait, I can't do that because I don't have it. Or I can't functionally do it well. That'll have to wait. So it, it allows me to prioritize, you know, my life a little bit better, which I'm fine with. This episode of D L on Extended is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. DigitalOcean recently announced new features and services such as a virtual private cloud in all regions free of charge. This lets you create multiple private networks to isolate your workloads. Container Registries is now available to all users, easily store and manage private container images and push images seamlessly to DigitalOcean's Kubernetes. You can get all of this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. Get started on DigitalOcean for free with a $100 credit by going to do.co/dln, and you can use that $100 credit for spinning up over a dozen droplets or even some monster sized droplets for two months. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with $100 credit by going to do.co DLN. Speaking of making choices, either be it phones, dishwashers, or desktop environments, we're going to talk about why we, at least in this case, because Nate is not with us, unfortunately, Wendy and I, we choose KDE Plasma over the myriad of other options that are available for Linux on the desktop, be it You know, window managers, somewhat desktop environments like Enlightenment, GNOME, take your pick. Wendy, why do you actually use KDE Plasma as your desktop?
1: I want to start out by saying that I used other desktops before Plasma. And there are desktops that I haven't used. That's one thing. There are such a wide variety of desktops. When I came to Linux, I was wanting something that was quote unquote lightweight. And this may almost tie into our discussion last week. And in looking at what the internet told me was lightweight. I started off with XFCE, and it worked all right. It was fine. Kind of reminded me of old Windows days, though. But functionally, it got me to Linux and got me working. And then I started playing with other things, and I was on a GNOME base for quite a while. And that workflow was okay, right? I didn't hate it. Look-wise, it was a little nicer than what I had on XFCE. And I just happened to decide, well, what the heck, I'm trying to find my happy Linux place and stumbled upon using Plasma. And Plasma is what hooked me. One of the things that I loved the most about it was the multiple screen functionality. Not only did you have your main screen, but you could set different aspects on the other screens that you had around you, how they worked, what stuff would show up on them, different backgrounds. It gave me so much more functionality with the space that I had, that it was one reason that I had to stay there and that ties into the other applications, right? I decide that I want this application to show up on this screen in this spot on that size the first time I open it every time and Plasma will do that for me. I know where that window's going. I know what size it will be and I can just continue my workflow Without even have to think twice about it.
0: Yeah, thing for me that I love about plasma is kind of that flexibility that you can either have. I don't want to say a set it and forget it mentality, but like in your case, you know, you want programs to open on a specific monitor as specific screen size of the monitor, a portion of the monitor, etc. That type of flexibility is not available in a lot of other DEs. There are a few, but not a lot. Multi-monitor support, let's just be real, is hit or miss. Sometimes it really isn't just the distro, it's sometimes the desktop environment. Yeah. As much as I like the aesthetics of like Deepin, it doesn't handle like different screen res very well. So like if you have like a, if you're outputting to it from a laptop to a a monitor, that's a different resolution than the laptop. And you want to keep the laptop at the same, you know, native resolution, but you all want to mirror it to the bigger screen. It doesn't always play nice. It's just a thing that I think Plasma tends to do better. I definitely agree that that is a killer feature for Plasma. I know one of the things that I love is it's kind of a Mac OS feature is when you have programs that were open and you shut down when you reboot, it pops them back up. Yeah. It, it's little stuff like that. Yeah, it's that's a very macOS feature. I'm not going to lie. Having, you know, I still use macOS. Really, it's a nice feature to have because it's like I can just get right back to work and that's totally awesome to me. I need to find discover my own workflows, if that makes sense, The things with like Pantheon and Gnome and a lot of these other type of desktops is they have a very, I don't want to say rigid, but they have a very defined way that you they want you to use the desktop. I ended up using Unity for so long. I used it from basically its inception to about 2017. Unity was just the desktop that I used. Like I had, you know, used Enlightenment, and every weird <laughs> window manager and uh, desktop environment in between still do. Once the Unity went away and I tried GNOME, I tried to be open. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to just use this however they designed it to be used. And my brain just either habit or whatever it may be, cannot wrap around just the rigidity and the rigidness, those design choices that they make. The fact that it relies on Kind of a hacky way of introducing those feet, like the the flexibility I need. And I'm not saying extensions are bad. I have about 20 of them on my Bop OS machine, but that leads into my problem with other desktops for me. Plasma has 99.9% of that stuff built in. I don't need to go and download 20 different extensions.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: As an example, like the panel, because I used Unity, at the top is where the Ubuntu button was. If you use default GNOME, the applications button is all the way down at the bottom, toward you know more towards where like the traditional Windows paradigm would be. Not quite because it's at the bottom of the favorites dock. It's in this weird spot that it doesn't work for me because my mind is go to the top left. So I move all my buttons to the top left. I move the panel to the top left. I have a mostly full screen application launcher that runs the entire length of the panel. It's customizable in a way that it allows me in the way I use computers to quickly flow through things. I do weird things when the panel auto-hides. I only have a minimize and a close button on the left. I don't have anything else. All the pin applications and the default plasma stuff of like the question mark and all that, all that stuff's gone. I completely remove all that stuff. I make the application panel just big enough so when it pops out, it doesn't actually hide the close button go minimize, then close. I do that so when I'm in the top left, I hit close, slide over, hit the application launcher, and the first thing that pops out is my favorites so I can generically shift in between what I've just been recently using.
1: Sounds like it's a really nice workflow and it's really accommodated to you You mentioned that it's got all of these features that are built in and the best part about having all these features is it's still not resource heavy right if you have a machine that doesn't have as much power doesn't have as much ram you have the power of this desktop without having resources sucked from being able to do other things like work or fun, you want your computer for, it's it's fantastic that way.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, it's like, again, this is not a shot at Gnome. Right now I'm sitting looking at my Pop OS machine. Gnome is using three gigs of 16. 507 of that is Gnome Shell. I will say almost 400 of that is Telegram. I need to close that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, probably time.
0: Heavy is relative, I guess, to the system yeah i think plasma gets a not a fair shake when it comes to being quote unquote bloated i think that we talked about misconceptions and we didn't really get into a lot of the some of the other misconceptions is plasma being bloated is probably one of my biggest pet peeves that people say that I'm like, no, it really isn't.
1: You're using a GTK-based desktop and you go to download a Qt-based application. Yes, there can be a larger overall download size because it's bringing in some of those other necessary things to run the Qt Mm -hmm. application.
0: Exactly. And I think that's where people go with the term, it's bloated. Well, no, it's just, it doesn't have the necessary requirements. So it's going to pull them down. Is it as bad as it used to be where if you wanted one application, you basically had to pull down the entire KDE stack? No. (laughs) Like if you went back KDE four days, it was pretty bad about the amount of stuff you would have to pull down of, from the, the QT desktop environment version to actually run that stuff. It was pretty bad, not going to lie. But now it's a lot more streamlined. There's a lot less resources. It's really no different than when I'm installing a GTK app on a QT base. If people want to talk in that particular portion of it's bloated, go download a flat pack. That 1.2 gig download is abysmal. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, that's bloated.
1: That's big enough to be a massive rom for a phone that's got all the google stuff built in
0: yep bloated is relative to the user plasma getting the short end by saying it's always bloated it's slow definitely not slow less resource hungry than say uh i really looked at lxqt lately so i can't really comment on that but you know something like mate or something like uh, xfce it's very light on the resource end of things now I think people who perpetuate that it's heavy, it's bloated, it, it's 10 years out of date at this point. <laughs> Basically, since the five series was in- introduced, a lot of this stuff has kind of gone to the wayside.
1: It's hard to get some of those rumors kicked. And I know that people have different style of workflows, and that's one of the things that this comes down to for us. Plasma is our DE of choice because of the way our workflows go. There's quite a few people in the community that love Gnome. It fits their workflow. It works best for them. There's people that love elementary. And in each one of these different desktop environments, there are positives and negatives to them. So a negative that a lot of people come up when they're talking about plasma, finding some of the different settings. And I have to agree, there are certain times that I am reinstalling and I'm like, holy crap, where did that go? I know it's here somewhere and I end up having to search for it. That I feel is a very accurate criticism when it comes to finding certain things within plasma And maybe some of that is related to the fact that there are so many settings, you can change it and tweak it in so many ways that it's hard to put all of those different settings where everyone would, quote unquote, naturally think that they should go right there. There are so many settings in there. It's so flexible, so flexible that one of the community members, Farron, if you look at his Plasma version, it looks completely different. Than anything you get out of the box with standard Plasma.
0: Yeah, definitely. Take, for example, what Farron does with Plasma, and then go look at something like Garuda Linux, which is totally different from Farron or generic Plasma. You know, different icons, different fonts, different, you know, UI elements, etc. That's something I think... Is a strength. Again, it's also a weakness, like you mentioned, because you can get lost in setting a lot of this stuff up and trying to figure out what works for you. Yeah. To say Plasma's for everybody is not true at all. Just like GNOME's not for everybody, input DE window manager here, it doesn't work for everybody. And that's perfectly fine. Some people are great with. The awesome window manager. Some people are great for using Enlightenment or Pantheon.
1: I3, which Ryan fooled around with for a while.
0: Uh, I3, Mr. Mensa user. Um, It's not for everybody. And the, the whole thing is it really boils down to, for us, flexibility because we can make it work for us by using what's built into it as opposed to having to make something extensible. As far as your critique and criticism on the settings, you are correct. I will say that they have gotten much, much better with the new system settings application, where a lot of the stuff is integrated into that one system application. Type in, icons that brings you to that type in you know themes i think the only real difference is like if you're looking at like the look and feel application where it still kind of pulls you out of that end of things there's a lot of bells and whistles and a lot of switches and toggles with plasma if you start digging very even barely below the surface like if you want to change just the panel as an example there's a lot of well where's the auto hide Example, you got to edit the panel, you got to go to more options, then you got to find the auto high, you know, (laughs) then it's like how many people accidentally delete the panel?
1: When there comes great power, there becomes great ways to mess things up. And Plasma gives you not only ability to completely make it yours, but completely destroy it at the same time, which... Rocco has mentioned on more than one occasion.
0: Rocco would also notice the one pixel off. Just going to say, no, Rocco has mentioned many a times that, you know, (laughs) oh, I accidentally blew away the panel or (laughs) it changed it from an icon task manager to a, you know, whatever type of manager instead. It's just (laughs) the things you can do with Plasma are great. Also totally irresponsible at the same time sometimes.
1: Absolutely. And you were talking about diving deeper into some of the different settings that they have. So yes, you have your main settings panel, but then on most windows, you have an additional settings, more actions, you can move them, keep above others and keep below others. Those are settings that when I first saw them, I didn't realize how much I'd actually use them. Keep above others more specifically. I use that all the time, especially where there's smaller windows that I need to see what's going on in there as I'm doing something else. It is an amazing feature to have, but the one where you can really either get yourself into trouble or kind of what I mentioned at the beginning, make sure that your workflow runs so nicely is the configure special window settings where you can choose where that window opens, what size it opens at. Does it do that every time you open it? Or does it remember the last place and size that it was opened at? The possibilities are endless. You can just be overwhelmed with settings.
0: Ironically enough, I don't use Lab to actually do my video editing, which is weird because I usually try to keep a clean QT base. That's more of a aesthetic choice than a like I don't like GTK apps choice.
1: Right. The theme flows across all of your applications. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And that's really all it is. So so before people think I'm just a QT fanboy, one of my favorite music players is actually Lollipop. There is no QT-based music player that I actually enjoy using. Lollipop is hands down my favorite music player across any OS. But I actually use Sinalera uh, GG for most of my video editing. Sinalera actually has kind of the early multi-window view of older versions of GIMP, so you have like in the old version of the GIMP, you had the toolbox, you had the viewer and you had the options on the side. Yeah, that was how yeah. GIMP worked for the longest time. I get it because mostly that's a multi-monitor setup. You know, one, one panel's tools, one panel's the viewer, one panel's your other portion. So Delira works in that same mentality. You have four windows, you have a viewer, a compositor, timeline and like your media portion down here. What I ended up doing is because most of my work is done on one screen and trying to manage four different windows from a task manager is a pain in the Because alt tab, alt tab, all tab, it's a pain in the butt. The group similar applications is a lifesaver when it comes to uh, managing things like Cinderella and stuff. It just puts it down to one icon. You just hit it and everything opens. And that's what I need. Unfortunately, like when I open it in GNOME, I don't get that. I get four different windows that I got to try to manage which is kind of annoying.
1: This episode of DLN Extend is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentications such as a master password and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com to get started for free. There are many reasons why I chose Bitwarden as my personal password manager. One of those reasons, it is 100% open source. You can also self-host your Bitwarden instance. They also offer security audits to make sure your passwords are as secure as they can possibly be. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. They offer a premium account for just $10 per year. What do you get with that premium account? One gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo. Vault Health Reports totp authenticator storage and generation priority customer support make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash dln to get started for free if you're like me though you'll want that premium account for just ten dollars per year to support this amazing open source software thanks to bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of dln extend
0: Speaking of changes and flexibility and whatnot, we also like to be flexible in what we do and what our interests are. Wendy, what's been your thing for this week?
1: There was something new that I heard about on this week in Linux, and it's called Jing OS. It is not released yet. It will come out on the 31st of January. So not too much longer now. This sounds exactly what I'm looking for As he's talking about it, I was like, holy crap, that is exactly what I want. This would solve all of my problems when it comes to figuring out what I want for the kids to use for school. Now, what exactly is it? It is a tablet-style UI and UX that is designed for kids touchscreen computers. So you have real Linux inside this very simple, easy to use base. Kind of fits what I'm going with. They've been using my new Samsung tablet a lot. It's really easy for them to get in and out of the applications they need, especially for the small one. Lightweight, easy to pack around. My daughter used mine yesterday with the attachable keyboard to get some of the writing stuff that she needed to do for school. It is so easy, both in touch, and lightweightness to get their school stuff done but it's an android base so that's the part that makes me kind of sad i do love it i wish the operating system on it was different this fixes that right now it's only compatible with two different devices the surface pro 6 and the huawei matebook 14 the matebook is impossible to get in the u.s right now and the Surface Pro 6 is incredibly expensive. Yes, I look. They're hoping to bring this to other devices later as they continue development. I'm super stoked about this project. I think it'll be that in-between, especially for school-related things, or people who like that workflow or that use case of kind of how tablets work.
0: I saw some information on this, and I saw a lot of people, oh, it's an iPad interface based on Linux. And I was like, Nah! From looking at it and watching it operate, it actually reminds me more of Deepin with a Touch UI. That's what it reminds me of mostly. I could be wrong from just my experience with iOS and stuff, it operates in a different manner than say iOS does. The
1: settings panel and the notification panels kind of have a Apple theme style to them. I can definitely see where some of that comes in because it's light off-white or kind of an opaque white and they have those soft corners. We do have an Apple tablet as well and I hardly ever touch that thing because I don't like it. But in looking at some of the way the theming is... I can see where that criticism comes across. It's not necessarily the theming that is bringing me to this device as well, though I think they've done a really good job on their screenshots of it. I think it looks nice. What is bringing me to this device is the multi-touch gesture support. It is the availability for my six-year-old to take this screen or whatever it is around to wherever he's comfortable. One of the reasons that brought me to homeschool in the first place, the kids don't have to sit at the desk or at the table to do their schoolwork. They can do it wherever they are the most comfortable and where they're going to learn the best. So I want devices that are compatible with that learning style. And this brings me that.
0: That is totally cool. And I totally get that. So I'm definitely looking forward to this because we need some more different UI paradigms for different situations in Linux. Trying to cram desktop Linux into UIs that aren't meant for it is not helping the cause. Um, So I think projects like this are really, really important. You know, some people are concerned that it closed-sourced or whatnot. I'm just going to be blunt. Do you really care if it's closed or open-source, like the, like the UI itself?
1: Right now, my Samsung tablet is... I guess it wouldn't be completely closed source because it's Android, but it's still locked down, right? Mm-hmm. And if I'm using something that's locked down in certain ways, I'd rather it be a Linux device in which I'm better to control the applications that are on it. One of the things that I very much dislike about Android is... Is the applications that cannot be removed. The bloat that is stuck there and you can't do anything with it other than hide it.
0: You mean the quote unquote disable? <laughs> I use the term yeah. very, very, very loosely because it doesn't disable it, it just hides the icon.
1: Yeah, it's still there. That is definitely one of my biggest complaints about Android. And with this operating system, so you could have it on a 2 and one have full touchscreen compatibility, maybe there'll be something else coming out that is completely open source. And I am for that. We've talked about using the tool that is best for the job. And in this case, right now, this is the tool that would be best for the application that I need it for.
0: And you're totally right. Best tool for the job. This definitely looks interesting. Whether or not it's open, closed, like does it give me, the functionality of a linux base i don't care about the ui if the if the ui is something i don't like here's this novel idea you use said package manager install something over it under it whatever that functionality is still there then i wouldn't care i don't care if you decide to you know build a proprietary ui whatever your deal functionality is what matters if this gives the functionality of the target demo it's going for I'm totally all for it.
1: Right now, I'm looking at Android tablets all around again for the kids to use for school because they fit the lightweight flexibility that I need. I find this, if I've got a better of two evils, this would hit that. It would be the better. All right, Matt, I'm sure you've been playing a game. What game have you been playing on your computer this week?
0: Actually, I haven't been playing one on my computer.
1: Oh, really? What you been playing on?
0: I've been playing on console, of all things. Most people would know if <laughs> if they knew me, they would know that I'm also a console gamer. Ironically, I'm a physical game collector. Like, that—that that is one of my my things i don't talk much about
1: you're a lover of games in all of their varieties
0: yes so that means platforms too this game is available on quote-unquote pc those that want to play on a computer can i've just chosen a different route because it's a different way of experiencing the game it is deus ex human revolution this game came out in 2011 i believe don't quote me on this It's gold rated on Proton, and it didn't look like there were any tinker reports over the last few releases that I've noticed. Caveat, could be wrong on that. I know it works because I did at least attempt to try it on my Linux machine, so I know it works with Proton. But I've been playing this on the Wii U. Out of all the consoles I own, that's probably the weirdest one, which is ironic. Everybody knows I'm a big Cyberpunk fan, and with all the current issues regarding the current Cyberpunk 2077 game, I've held off on buying it to get my Cyberpunk fixes I've been playing other cyberpunk games when it comes to consoles this is actually the best version of the game to play on console It includes all the DLC it's the director's cut the the Wii U for those that don't know is the console but you also have like the tablet controller so what the tablet controller does is it gives you your map your inventory management and all that stuff without having to go into different screens normally when you go into a escape or pause or whatever you go and you do menu management that way that's not how it works in this one, because this one allow is all on the secondary device with the second screen, not on your TV. It allows you to focus on the action on the screen. Management is secondary, so this is not in your face and in the way, but like a lot of the other ways of inventory management and stuff is done in most RPGs, though I will mention that this game is rated mature, so don't give it to the kids.
1: <laughs> it's a fun one for you, but not one for the kids to have around. Though last week, there were two great family-friendly games that were mentioned.
0: Yes. The one that Nate mentioned, and the name totally escapes me right now, is... Uh, Fix-It Felix. Th- yeah, Fix-It Felix, and the one you made the recommendation for.
1: Path of Giants.
0: Which were both very family-friendly games. If you want a family-friendly game recommendation, then I have one, and it's called a story of, A Story About Your Uncle, I believe it is called
1: story about my uncle yeah
0: that is very family friendly not there's no swearing or anything it's very problem solver kind of game Um, it's very it's kind of like valley very forward momentum but it's a fun game
1: it's fun and frustrating at the same time as you're trying to make certain jumps in the game
0: (laughs) i missed it i remember watching eb try to play it and he was just getting all frustrated it was great
1: i remember watching me play it and getting all kinds of frustrated
0: (laughs) to me that game's more about it's kind of like valley it's a very atmospheric game and that's what makes it a fun game
1: yeah and following the story along with it yeah
0: Mm-hmm. people want me to give family friendly recommendations
1: there you go that's a good one you
0: see wendy i do play non-violent video games
1: occasionally i get there <laughs> downside is i've now finished path of giants to the end current end they'll they do new releases so i think in the spring there will be a new set of puzzles to play but i'm done for now and Have been itching for something along those lines. And the one you mentioned before, the Ori, whatever. I wish it would go on sale again because. Was it Ori
0: and the Willow Willow of the Wisps, I believe? Yeah, Willow of the Wisps.
1: There's an older one.
0: Or Ori and the Blind Forest is the other one.
1: Yeah, that's the older one.
0: Yeah. And actually, you're going to kill me for this. So, looking at it right now, this is the Steam key. Orion the Blind Forest Definitive Edition, $8.10.
1: Okay, well, I know what I'll be getting with my coffee money. Add two baskets.
0: Okay, so after getting Wendy to buy yet another game, if you'd like to continue this discussion with us on Telegram, the Discourse, Mumble, or Discord, visit the DLN website for more information on how to connect to the social channels and all our other shows and creators at destinationlinux.network.
1: You can find Nate at CubicleNate.com with links to all of his written blatherings, podcasts and youtube channels
0: you can follow my random ramblings on twitter at matt DLN.
1: i am still deciding on a social media platform i will let you know when i figure it out we'll be back next week with another fantastic episode of deal and extend until then have a great week everyone